Hello and welcome to the podcast, UFO Warning. If you like to hear about UFOs, you've come to the right place. Today's program is about a close encounter that happened to a couple of fellows that were hunting down near uh, Taos, New Mexico, in a place called, let me see here, Cerro de la Ola. It says that it's also called Pot Mountain, north of a town near Ute Mountain, or Ute Mountain, I'm sorry. And this looks like a pretty rugged uh, wilderness area about uh, 50 miles north of Teos, New Mexico, which itself is about 134, 35 miles north uh, east of Albuquerque, New Mexico. So if you look on a map, this would be up in the extreme northeast corner of the state. And from what I can see, it looks like a really remote area. A lot of uh, Native American reservations, a lot of Native American land around there. And the interesting thing is right where this uh, close encounter happened at is a area that the uh, Native American uh, Ute tribes or Ute tribes uh, refer to as uh, a holy ground. This is where they do the Sundance at. So it's kind of a special place to these folks. And that's what you find with a lot of these uh, really strange uh, ET or UFO experiences uh, in the West, they always seem to be kind of centered around uh, areas that were known to Native Americans to have, have some sort of a spatial effect to them or where they've had experiences at. So it wasn't a huge surprise where it happened at, but it's kind of uh, strange the way that it happened. I found this article, it was in uh, the Teos News. Anyway, uh, there's been a lot of talk about it, it seems like, out in that local area. This happened a couple weeks ago, but I really haven't seen too much on the national you know, screen for UFO sightings. The fellows' names uh, are, there are two bow hunters, Josh Brinkley and Daniel Lucero. They were out to, in this wilderness area, and they're uh, elk hunting, bow hunters. So they're just out there uh, walking around looking for some uh, elk to hunt. Now, one of the fellows says... Um, they got up that morning, uh, the one fellow went out to go hunting, uh, I believe it was Brinkley, and he says that as he's walking through uh, the underbrush here on, uh, it says opening morning of bow hunting season was Sunday, September 1st. The two men had gone a couple of days early to scout the area for elk. Lucero, 26, had never been there. <clears throat> they set up along the tree line on, a different, on different sides of a field and waited. After three hours and no elk, Brinkley became restless. It was about 9.30 a.m. Now they quote this guy. I take off walking, creeping around the woods, looking for elk, Brinkley said. He reached the top of the mountain where there's a caldera and a kind of wide bowl left behind by a collapsed volcano. So you're getting the idea here. This is extremely rugged, uh, aired um, terrain. He went on to the edge of the southwest side. As he walked to the edge, he noticed two figures on his side of the caldera. He thought at first they were hunters, but they were very tall shapes of these beings standing side by side, staring right at me, he said. He walked toward them across the brushy field. He estimates they were 35 yards away. As a bow hunter, where measuring distance is critical to hitting a target, he said he's pretty adept at it. He went around the bush and looked again. The figures were gone. He looked around and didn't see them. Figured I would talk to them. They were gone, just gone, Brinkley said. He thought more about what he had seen. 
with their lower half concealed by their brushes in the caldera, he had only seen them from the waist up. The shape that would be like their heads, it looked like they had huge hoods on. It looked like two ribbons coming off either side to a point at the top of the bottom, like a banana. The right side was black, left side was white and a little shiny. Torsos were kind of black. I couldn't see many details. It definitely looked like clothes. In the middle of the oval was just gray. He thought maybe it was the back of Hunter's heads, but it looked too strange, too crazy. Later he drew what he could remember of them in a leather-bound sketchbook he carries with him, and he drew what he saw next. Brinkley hurried back to where Lucera was waiting. Still no elk. I was a little weirded out, he told his friend. He told Lucera he had been... He had seen a couple of hunters, and that's probably what had scared off the elk. He couldn't bring himself at first to say what he might have just imagined. Now, we see this a lot in these situations. First off, the two figures, where it's it's almost like um, they're extra-dimensional because they just show up out of nowhere. And you wonder if they really look like that or if it was uh, Brinkley's mind... Uh, playing tricks on him to make them seem human. Or, what I kind of tend to think of is this, is this if they are some kind of extra-dimensional um, phenomenon or being or whatever they are, but it's almost like they uh, create an image for us to see. They draw on things that are in the background or they fit a preconceived notion. And these things, they showed up uh, in a humanoid form uh, no clearer picture of the face. He talks about the hood around him, and it's almost like uh, they're ephemeral. They're just there. It, we saw this a lot, if you're familiar with any of the sightings that happened back in the 1800s, where there were uh, a bunch of airship sightings, and people uh, had close encounters with uh, UFOs, and uh, they would often talk about, well, people were working on the uh, airship, and then they would describe them wearing strange uniforms, or uh, talking about something that might have been in the news, sometimes talking about things that hadn't happened yet. But it was almost like these these UFOs, these phenomena, were matching what people expected. And they would talk about, you know, how they would kind of come in and out of vision. And that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing these two guys are out hunting in pretty rough country. It's a high country. Uh, you know, I think the elevation is around four or 5,000 feet. Uh, they're in this high aired country it's very very rugged there's nobody around for miles and miles and miles and then just out of nowhere a couple of these beings show up and they as soon as he gets close enough where he can maybe make contact with them they're gone i mean they phase in they phase out it's not even like uh hey the they're working on this craft and these guys uh, they had to park here so they could fix it to my mind, it's nothing mechanical going on here. It's way beyond that. And it's nothing, it's not even uh, physical in a way. It's almost like I said, it's extra dimensional. These beings show up, they assume some kind of form that uh, Mr. Brinkley's mind is able to comprehend. And then when he gets a little closer, they just phase out. It's as if they're almost not concerned with him even being there. But since he has shown up, the easiest thing for them to do is to just present themselves as something that he somewhat recognizes. It's almost like they're trying to diffuse the situation, but then when he persists, they phase out or else they, maybe they phase into some sort of form that he's not even able to see. 
And you wonder if they're doing this because they want to be noticed or because it just takes less effort or what. We really don't know, but it's extremely strange. Now, Mr. Brinkley goes to say that they went back to camp. He says, I couldn't take it anymore, Brinkley said. I told him what I saw was weird. And we go on here, and he says, they were too tall. Their heads were too big to be hunters. Anyone who knows me knows I don't tell weird stories. Lucero said he had known something was up and Brinkley had walked quickly and noisily up to his position at the field. Normally his friend is quiet. A hunter's slower, more measured speed through the bushes. After Brinkley told him, Lucero felt a little weird too. I didn't know what to believe, Lucero said. Brinkley kind of wrote off what he saw. Well, this is what humans do when they see really strange things they can't explain. It's called cognitive dissonance, and we don't like it. The, the, whatever they saw that day was so strange, it didn't match up with anything that they knew to be normal. Their reality had just been rocked. And they feel a little anxiety because of that. We all do. And then afterward, the easiest thing to do was to try to forget it. But it says here that that just wasn't going to happen. On Labor Day, September 2nd, they headed out again to hunt early in the morning and hiked all around the area. No elk. This is another thing we see over and over and over again with these ET sightings or phenomena, is that the animals just get the heck out of there. So, you know, a lot of people have this uh, theory that uh, ET is uh, someone's going to come here and save us from imaginary climate change or save us from the atomic bombs or whatever else they're going to save us from. But you know, when you look at how the animals act, the animals act like these things are apex predators because they just get the heck out of there. We couldn't figure out why there was no elk, Brinkley said. And they decided to drive to the other side of the mountain and see if there were other hunters or four-wheelers scaring off the elk. As they drove, the men saw no signs of wildlife at all, they said. Now, that should say something to us, because these guys are avid hunters. They know where to go find the elk. They've shot plenty of elk, and they know that something is really, really wrong here if there aren't any elk around, and in fact, there aren't any animals around. It's like one of those Discovery Channel documentaries, you know, where when the big predator uh, jaguar cat comes through the jungle, everything just gets the heck out of there. Whatever was there was really having a, it was just scaring the heck out of all the animals that happened to be around there. It's clear they had left the area. They drove about 10 minutes when they saw it. They both work with movie sets. At first, they thought it was a movie base camp. It's this big tent structure, like a circus tent, 50, 60 feet tall. Coming off of the left, it was this long building, like what you would build for an archery lane or target practice. It was a third the height, but really long, and maybe a couple of hundred feet. They were about a quarter mile away and couldn't see the bottom of the structure. They watched it for a minute as they drove. What is it, he asked Lucera. A base camp for a movie, or are they building an alien ship set? They drove down a little hill, lost sight of the structure for, for at most five seconds, Brinkley said. When we topped the hill, it was gone, just gone. Lucero said he was watching it the whole time while Brinkley drove except for those few seconds. There was no dust. There was nothing, Lucero said. They drove around the area searching for what they had seen until dark. Nothing. I just know it was real, Brinkley said. It was huge and white and then gone. Now here we go again where people are seeing these unexplainable objects or phenomena 
But did you notice how they both worked on movie sets and immediately if they thought it was something like they had seen in their work? So we're not sure here if the phenomena is, uh, it seems to match the, the viewer's expectations. And I've seen this happen over and over and over again in these sightings where people see a spaceship or whatever you want to call it, and it matches something that they have a preconceived notion of. And when you get a couple of guys like this who are non-believers in the UFO phenomena, this thing can only express itself in something that they cognitively recognize or believe. And for both of these guys, that probably the biggest common thing that came to their head was a tent or a movie set. And so it's really, it's almost insidious the way this phenomena matches a person's expectations. It's almost like a mental camouflage where it tries to become something to blend in with the environment. But in this case, it's not blending in with the environment. It's blending in with uh, humans' thoughts that are around it. It's almost like a clumsy attempt to cover itself. But what it really does, it just it just causes these people to kind of almost just freak out a little bit. And then you notice when they get when it has the chance, then it disappears. It's almost like it wants to phase out as soon as it as soon as it recognizes that it's been noticed. It's, it has all the markings of something that is extra-dimensional. Not so much interstellar, but extra-dimensional. It exists in another dimension. And maybe it's showing itself to these people intentionally, or maybe it's just uh, an accident where it's phasing in and out uh, with a dimension that it shares with us. And it doesn't seem to be a, a huge deal to them. It's just something that when it happens and people notice then it's almost like it self-corrects and goes back to being invisible again or not there, however you want to look at it. And there's no explanation. It's not like it's on a trip here from some other planet. It's just as if it phases into this dimension and then back out again, and it has camouflaged itself, or maybe we are creating the view that we see. It's really hard to tell here. Is the phenomenon itself creating that image that these guys can recognize or are the people that are viewing it creating the image because it's something they recognize. You have to wonder if somebody had seen that thing unrelated to these two fellows, say from a hundred yards in the opposite direction without them knowing that they were viewing it, would they have all seen the same thing or would they have all seen completely different things? And they go on to say here that He says, they drove around the area searching for what they'd seen until dark. Nothing. I just know it was real, Brinkley said. It was huge and white and then gone. When the two men reached the place with cell signal, they told a few friends what they had seen. They thought about calling the Air Force. A friend put them in touch with Peter Davenport, a longtime executive director of the National UFO Reporting Center in Washington State. Now, if you ever listen to Coast to Coast... Uh, you'll recognize Peter Davenport because he's the older gentleman that comes on there and uh, gives the UFO updates to uh, George. And I just think he's one of the coolest guys ever. His updates are so interesting. He's got such a great radio voice. Davenport confirmed they had called him. It was a dramatic story, he said. If it is true, it is unsettling. Out of the thousands of calls he gets every year, about supposed alien sightings, they are rarely 
they rarely describe seeing aliens on the ground. They aren't the first hunters to see something they can't explain. Four hunters in Chalice, Idaho in 2000 described having a large strangler craft hoover a couple of hundred feet above them before moving over the mountains. After listening to some 350,000 phone calls over 25 years, Davenport thinks he can tell those that are credible. This was one of them, he said. Brinkley and Lucero said they weren't drinking and weren't on drugs. The hardest thing is telling their story. People probably think we're insane, Brinkley said. He said he didn't believe in UFOs. I sure do now, he said. Lucero said he doesn't know about aliens. I just know I've never seen anything that big just disappear. The two aliens, you can say that I imagine that, but you cannot explain something that big. Just gone, Brinkley said. After telling their strange tale, the hunters did what they came to do. Go try one more time to find elk. Now, what I like about that report is that it's just right there. And, and uh, the, the, the person that wrote this article for the newspaper there in, in uh, Taos did a really excellent job of presenting the facts without trying to diminish what anybody said. Uh, didn't accuse anybody of being kooks and just, and just wrote it down like an eyewitness report which I thought they did an awesome, awesome uh, job of. And these, these uh, reports are interesting because they happen, you know, in such a remote area. They happen in an area with a, with a history of uh, Native American folklore. And it happened with a couple of guys that were, uh, like, they, like they described themselves, non-believers, which to me adds even more credibility to, uh, to what they saw. So anyway, that's the, that is the report for today and uh, we'll be back in touch in a couple days.